0: Hey guys, it's me P and me S and you're listening to the girl on girl podcast, but it's not what you think,
1: but also it's kind of what you think.
0: Hi everyone. I hope you've been having a really, really good couple of weeks. It has been a pretty busy one for me. I mean, there's been a lot of changes going on with work and just life stuff, but no complaints. It's been pretty nice. But honestly, I kind of just want to skip to this episode because I am so incredibly, incredibly excited to talk about today's guest. Guys, I spoke with Lauren Abedini, aka Kittens, who is a half-Persian lesbian DJ based out of Los Angeles. So for anyone who might know, I have actually been a fan of Kittens for a few years now, and I've always admired her ability to be so outspoken and unapologetic about her sexuality as a woman of color. I remember stumbling across her Instagram. I think it might have been in like 2018 or 2017. And at that time, I was also figuring out my sexuality. I identified as bi at the time and just seeing someone who... I felt like I could relate to. She's femme, a woman of color, really into music. It was just someone who I definitely gravitated to right away. And then I found out she's a DJ. So Lauren actually agreed to come on the pod to talk about her coming out experience as a first generation Iranian American, how she dealt with her family's reaction and the light bulb moment she had when she kissed a girl for the first time. We also get into her love for music, of course, and how DJing started out as a hobby and soon turned into a career. Her DJ sets have gained support from iconic artists like Usher, Kit Cudi, Skrillex, and A-Track, and she's earned opportunities to perform at massive global festivals like Coachella and EDC, plus residencies in Las Vegas. And of course, this wouldn't be Girl on Girl without diving into queer media representation. Kittens opens up about why queer media rep is so important and what inspired her to start her podcast, She, Her, They, which launched in the summer of 2021. She, Her, They has featured incredible guests like Debbie Lovato, Haley Kiyoko, Zolita, Rez, and many, many more. I really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I know you will. And Kittens, thank you so much for joining the Girl on Girl fam. If y'all want to keep up with Kittens, you can follow her across Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at IamKittens. And make sure you check out her website at IamKittens.com to keep up with the latest updates and She her They podcast content. Enjoy. Thank you for being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Like we connected a few months ago. And as I was sourcing out some guests, I was like, okay, obviously I need to get Lauren on. Yeah. Duh. Duh. What am I doing? So to start, hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, For anyone who doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what your pronouns are and what you do?
1: Um, My name is Lauren Abedini, but I've been going by Kittens for the last like 10 years. It's my DJ name that just kind of stuck. I'm a DJ, music producer, podcast host. I teach some DJ workshops. I um, am an investor in a restaurant. I just kind of do a lot of little bits and that's fun. Um, Pronouns, she, they. I'm very out lesbian, Um, half Persian, other half is white American. So I kind of got some fun little experiences in life
0: yeah so I mean I've been actually following you for a few years now Mm -hmm. actually before we connected about your podcast I had already followed you on Instagram and that's why I saw but I was so in awe of how much you were open about your sexuality like I I truly just saw your profile on Instagram and I was like okay this girl is so badass DJ out lesbian and I was figuring myself out at the time so really appreciate you for that oh Yeah, but I want to know more about your coming out experience as, I mean, a first generation Iranian American. I mean, you're half Persian. I'd like to know more about that.
1: It's, I mean, I think one thing that is really important to stress is like, you never stop coming out. And so if I wanted to be really honest about my coming out experience, it's it's spanned 18 years now. It's been 18 years of coming out over and over and over. But my initial coming out, I think, was to myself. And that was when I was 15. And I met my first girlfriend through my friend who was like, I think I might be bi. And she she just like had some guys screw her over. And she's like, I want to date girls. That'll be easier. That whole thing. Mm-hmm, that narrative. Yeah. And up until that point, I had never even it had never crossed my mind that I might be queer. And then she started talking to this girl that was like one of her gay guy friends, lesbian friend, and they tried to connect them. And I was like, wait, what? And so I got really curious about like this person. I had never met a queer woman before. So I was just really, really curious about who this person was. And my friend did not end up dating her uh, because she is straight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I kind of took advantage of the chance to get to know her at this like random going away party my friend was having so I got to know her there and then I connected with her on MySpace, and we started just going to see different b- bands play together because we connected over music whatever at this point still it hadn't hit me that I might be into women like that and up until this point I had like one or two boyfriends for like a month I'd had like my first kiss and that was kind of it yeah and I just knew like I wasn't boy crazy the way all my friends were. And I I didn't know why I thought like, I don't know, I thought something was wrong with me. And then me and this girl had been hanging out for like a month and a half. And then she kissed me and it was like light bulb moment. Like everything suddenly made sense. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. This is a thing. Maybe. I, Yeah. Maybe that's it. Like, you know, maybe this is what's going on. And then, um, I proceeded to fall in love with her And as you do, you're like, yeah, we kiss, obsessed immediately. Yes, yeah. And, um, and then it was like, it was that time in social media history where you kind of don't realize that everything is available on the internet to everyone and how accessible everything is. So I was posting pictures, like kissing my girlfriend, and my dad was like, kind of, you know, lurking around as a parent should at that age. I was 15. And somebody also let him know to look at my, myspace, space. And so I kind of got outed, but I also kind of outed myself, I guess. Oh no, but um, still,
0: I mean, it's still kind of like your personal yeah. platform that, you know, like you feel comfortable posting to, but I, I got that. Yeah. That sucks.
1: I wasn't ready to tell him. No. Um. So he found out. And then my mom found out before him, because I had been dating this girl for like two months at this point. And I was like, all, you know, just obsessed and I I was sick and she showed up in my house for Valentine's day with like candy and teddy bears and all this crap. And my mom was like, that's not just your friend, is it? And I just like broke down and started crying. And I was like, I think I'm in love with her. <laughs> um, oh my
0: God. And wait, how old were you at this point?
1: 15. You're 15. Wow. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I came out young. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, she was like, she was cool. She wanted to make sure it was more, she was, that she was concerned about the person I was dating. Cause they were a bit older than me versus me being gay. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted to like, make sure I talked to my therapist to like explore my feelings. Like, what does this change? What is happening? And then over the years, it, it was two very different experiences because my mom is very, she grew up in the Bay area and like San Francisco is very, very progressive, very liberal, very like, you know, she was going to concerts and doing all San Francisco in the sixties. Like she's that girl. I could only
0: imagine what San Fran in the sixties would be. That's so cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was her vibe. And then my dad grew up in a very conservative family in Iran, and is a professor and is very you know like by the book. And so it was two very different experiences. And that side of my family, it was very much a like don't ask, don't tell. Let's not talk about personal things in general. I think even if I was dating a man, it, we wouldn't talk about it. Mm, It it wouldn't be about it. Yeah. Um, But obviously this was a a bigger one and it was like, let's just keep this. Let's just not acknowledge it as much as possible. And, um, and the more I went through life, it became a thing where I was like, no, I need, I need you to acknowledge this because I need to feel like I'm seen. And so um, that side of my family, it, it continued to be a, like, very drawn out coming out process of like coming out about different things a little bit more and more and more and finding new ways to come out that like maybe this angle will work and they'll be like okay cool
0: that's interesting I never actually thought of it in that way right like kind of trying out different things to see like what maybe might like settle in for them a little bit more
1: yeah 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 there's there's a lot. I mean, I, I probably tried every angle possible. I tried the, like, you need to accept me. And if you don't, I'm out of here. Like, you know, thankfully I, my, my parents were divorced when I was really young. So Mm, thankfully I had a a safe space to go. It's not like I had to risk, you know, living on the streets. If I came out, Mm -hmm. I just would go to my mom's house. Yeah. Um, but you know, I tried that angle and that didn't work. And I tried, just bringing things up casually like oh yeah i'm going to pride this weekend oh, uh, and you know if i was dating dating someone and having a hard time with the relationship and i just needed like my dad's advice because he's like he gives great advice smart mm-hmm. rational dude and i'd be like i need to talk to you about my relationship like i just need your advice and then i just kept trying more and more and then eventually i i spoke to um my, one of my uncles who's very he's very spiritual and just I don't know. He, he's kind of like on, a, on another level of like awareness and everything. And he gave me some really good advice. When I came out to him initially, he was just like, okay, what's the problem? So, which I was shocked by, but he, he gave me some really good advice of like, you know, you need to consider the person you're talking to and where they come from and trying to find a way to like make them comfortable and ease them into this because you can't force someone to change their lifetime of beliefs
0: so so true so yeah that's a good you way have to, say to be it.
1: patient you have to be patient and and kind of meet them where they're at and and help guide them and so I did that I stopped being as like I don't know confrontational I guess
0: like reactive because mm-hmm. I feel like I think that's only natural yeah, of though
1: course. you're like why don't you accept me for this and why don't you embrace it it's one thing to accept it's another to embrace and so once I kind of backed off and tried a different angle it really everything really changed like my dad and my girlfriend are like cool like he gets her christmas presents and she comes to like the persian holidays at the house so it's it's nice like even after all these years things can still change and people can still grow and you know everybody grows and can accept each other
0: Mm -hmm. that's really heartwarming to hear too it's nice to kind of like see that when you can see your girlfriend and your dad just being together celebrating holidays I'm sure that moment for you was just like oh yeah I cried oh that's nice yeah, yeah.
1: lots lots of tears lots of tears
0: <laughs> lots of tears yeah well you did you did touch upon a little bit that you thought you were bi mm-hmm. was I'm not crazy about labels in general yeah. I feel like labels can be very helpful and I myself actually identify as a lesbian mm-hmm. or gay I say both Yeah. but I, I'm just curious to know was there a moment when you realized like by doesn't fit anymore
1: yeah I am um, because that was initially the thing because I was just like okay well I've grown up like liking guys which was just compulsory shit and the more I connected with the girl I was seeing which that was on and off and I dated a bunch of other girls throughout you know that period of time and in between I would try to date guys because I thought like you know oh the, this girl broke my heart maybe a guy won't maybe that's just I'm just supposed to do this And every time I tried to do that, it just reinforced how gay I was. I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not into this. It was just like a quick, like, it would be a week of, like, trying to talk to a guy in high school and me being like, absolutely not. No fucking way. Um, (laughs) Stay away from me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just, I think knowing that I was able to fall in love with a woman and I I never, I never had the capacity to even like get near an intense crush on a guy, let alone love one. That's where I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, yep. This is a thing. This is is very much a thing. So yeah, that helped.
0: You're very self-assured though. You know, I think that's very, very cool about you. I think it's less like you know, kind of dancing around the subject with, which I think I did a lot when I was growing up, I was very much like unsure. And I think it's normal. Everyone's different, but I admire how like rational you, you sound as you're
1: saying that. I think that's, that's pretty cool. It, I mean, it took time. It took a lot of time. And I think, I think that's another thing that is, it's kind of beautiful about where things are now in society. Cause back then, I mean, this was like, I'm really aging myself, but like, I'm 33 so and I came out when I was 15 and I was hanging out with only lesbians and so there was also a very intense pressure to pick a side there was much less acceptance of the spectrum of queerness Mm -hmm. so I felt like okay I need to figure this out I really need to figure this out because if I if I was bi I was going to stick to it if I was a lesbian I was going to stick to it and I know. I mean, after all these years, obviously, and I'm very much a lesbian, but, but I, I'm just glad that there's that like space for people to just be and explore whatever they may like and not, not be like, I don't know, punished for it.
0: Yeah. Punished for it. And also, I mean, we're still working throughout, like with things even in the queer community as well. I think with labels, that's going to be an ongoing process, but you're right. I mean, in this day and age, it's very much more accepted to kind of stay open and be like, I'm fluid. There's less emphasis on that. But yeah, you kind of mentioned that you didn't even think you were probably queer until you met your first girlfriend. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, were there moments in your childhood with like, if there were certain celebrities or yeah, like TV
1: show characters? Oh, everything made sense. Everything made sense. Literally, like, I, um, I was in dance class, like my whole, like all from when I could walk through college and, you know, dance studio, competitive teams and whatnot. And I had a crush on like multiple girls at my dance studio. Like I was so obsessed with them. I thought they were so cool and so beautiful. And I just like wanted to be near them. And I like, I knew I was being weird and I just didn't know what it was and then looking back, I was like, oh, I just had a massive crush on them. Like, that's what that was. And same with, like, I think my most vivid memory of, like, a media moment was watching Titanic in theaters. Really? What part? The scene where she's naked and getting okay. drawn. <laughs> Actually, as I said that, I was like, okay, I should not." That- <laughs> but, like everyone I knew was just gushing over Leonardo DiCaprio and I was like did anyone see Kate Winslet naked like and I asked my mom because I couldn't stop thinking about it and I asked my mom I was like I can't stop thinking about that scene is that like weird and you know I really was like I feel like something's not right or not normal about what I'm thinking and she's like no 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 honey that's fine you know you're just you're just curious about like what your body might be like when you grow up and I'm like (laughs) no
0: not exactly no no wrong
1: wrong but
0: that is so good actually I haven't heard a lot of people say Titanic which it should be I mean I feel like seeing Kate Winslet
1: naked was like
0: for me as a kid too that I was like oh my gosh like
1: Mm -hmm. and and I feel like that scene specifically like a lot of times when we see women in media especially back then it was very much male gazy and sexualized but that scene was so like soft and beautiful mm-hmm. and it wasn't like i mean he was drawing her naked but it wasn't this like objectifying uncomfortable moment it was very tasteful and she seemed very comfortable and empowered so i think that was another thing she did I
0: and yeah. i don't know if i'm making this up but i i heard it was one of the first scenes they shot actually
1: oh really i didn't know that
0: i'm i mean i'm gonna google that after yeah I,
1: <laughs> i'm <laughs> I just I spitting
0: out facts but yeah i think they wanted to um like kind of get that authentic like nervousness
1: Mm. as
0: well from from leo's reaction and i'm gonna look that up after but i feel like it might have (laughs) been that
1: makes sense
0: um i feel like you did kind of touch upon this a little earlier but what did you struggle with the most while discovering your sexuality like do you think it was kind of more the family dynamic and or were there other factors
1: i think it was i think it was really i mean the family dynamic was a big thing and feeling like I'm still worthy of being loved, even though I may be disappointing people um, because I'm not meeting the expectations. That was, that was a big thing for me. And like, I felt that all the way through, you know, adulthood up until not too long ago, but I think it was definitely that. And then um, trying to figure out like, do I like guys or do I like girls only? And now we have so many resources to just, you know, there's checklists for like, are you a lesbian, you know? And people had Google and I only had the L word, like uh, when it was originally out and like, that was really it. So I think the not knowing and trying to figure that out was a little weird because there was this, there's a judgment of like, are you with us or are you like not? Mm -hmm. And so... Figuring that out was really tricky for me at least just, I was so young, but now I'm just glad that there's so many resources for people and, and open forums for people to talk. Cause I felt, fu- I didn't know anyone who was newly queer it was all like older established lesbians. That is so people. true. Yeah. So I had no one to kind of figure it out with. Cause I felt like if I was e- explaining like my exploration period and thought process, I'd immediately get like, Oh, you're not even a lesbian. You're not even gay. So get out of here. Like, that's what I thought. Would you get like your experimenting vibes or what was it? Totally. Yeah, totally. And which I get to, cause I kind of was, I was, you know, I was young and I had, didn't have much experience. And, um, so I was experimenting and as I experimented, I f- really figured out like, okay, this is, this is really it but it would have been nicer to have like a safe space to discuss my thoughts with like-minded people who are also exploring and experimenting,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You don't feel like you're like on your own little Island, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. That was tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have anyone to talk to. So. And that's hard too. Like that the L word was probably the only type of media representation you had because I actually had my sister on, recently um, she's eight years older than me so she is 35 but so she was I was trying to figure out if she knew I was gay as we were growing up together and she's like honestly I think if we had more representation at the time she was a teen she was like honestly I think I would have put more like two and two together about the way you felt about your high school friend Mm. but she mentioned the l word too she's like I think that was the only thing that was on when I was growing up or if there was any rep it maybe was like very minimal or it was kind of used as like a it's like Ellen exactly and you look for people you look like and you relate with right and I'm sitting there being like if Ellen's gay like I don't think I'm gay you know
1: exactly yeah same There was there's no like there's no femme representation there was no non-white representation so it's like yeah how do you how do you figure yourself out when you don't see anyone that you can relate to like you're not gonna it's going to take longer to figure shit out.
0: A hundred percent. I think um, for me, it was like Shay Mitchell and pretty little liars was very, Mm -hmm. very good for, for me to see that at like 16. Mm -hmm. Um, But then other than that, there was like a shot at love with tequila. I remember watching when I was 12.
1: Christ that show. I know
0: Wow, that could be a whole other podcast episode.
1: Yeah, that whole, that could be a whole podcast series, honestly. That show is insane.
0: Breaking it down episode by episode.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll wow. I'll
0: uh, hit you up. We can do that yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Thank God. Let's get into your music career. You mentioned you're a DJ. Um, I want to know how did you get into it? It started
1: out just as a experiment, a hobby, and it it just kind of turned into a whole career somehow, as, as I said, like I grew up, I grew up as a dancer. So I always had a a deep connection with music. And then um, when I was growing up, like I, I really shouldn't have been sneaking out, but when I was like 13, 12, 13, I started going to local shows and concerts and stuff. And so I was just finding new ways to engage with music. And my first girlfriend who was, she was a few years older than me. She was a film student. And so she was going to these different clubs when when DJ culture was really like blossoming at the time. It was like when Steve Aoki was really coming up and like DJ AM, if you know who that is. So she would go to these clubs and film recap videos for them because that's how they promoted the nights. So there'd be this like photographer that would take all these pictures is really popular photographer. And then she'd do these cool recap videos every week. So I would be able to sneak in with her. And then I had my other like older lesbian friends who would just, wh- whoever looked enough like me, I would use their IDs and we just. Amazing. Yeah. And you're 13. No, I did I wasn't going to clubs at 13. I was going to shows at 13. Oh, 15, okay. I was going to clubs, but okay, still, yeah. was still like, hello. Up. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Yeah. That would have been bad. I was, I was going to shows I shouldn't have been going to, but, but clubs was 15 and yeah, it was just kind of immersed in this different lifestyle and like nightlife and that was a time when DJs were really kind of becoming a central part of an event and then um and then as I grew up I started going to different things in the, the area different music scenes that had DJs and producers that were more highlighted as artists versus just like the person at the party hmm and that the, the music and the way people were doing things was so different that I got really inspired and I really wanted to try but like major barrier to entry it was expensive turntables and you know buying records and like literally to just to start it's like three grand just startup cost yeah that's not easy to just be like okay cool great yeah no let's go no 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 and and then on top of it, it was the same thing about the representation. I didn't see anyone. I, it was literally like all men that I saw. And there was maybe one one or two women who I couldn't identify with at all. And so I, it took me a long time to kind of get the guts up to, to start. And thankfully, I had a lot of guy friends who were just in the scene and they were excited to just teach me and help me because they knew how much I loved music. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just kind of became a fun hobby for me to learn. And I started working at um, at this nightclub in LA while I was in college. So I was studying marketing. I was doing marketing for this club. And eventually I convinced them to let me DJ there. That's awesome. How
0: did you do that? Like, what did you say? Just because like, it, it's helpful too that you were doing the marketing for them. So were you kind of yeah. like, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was basically the assistant to the marketing director who was also the talent buyer. And he knew that I, you know, he knew my music taste. And so we really bonded over just music in general. And he was able to basically get the approval to have me be the opening DJ. And that's really cool. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that. Like I see him all the time. Still, we're still in touch and I'm just like, dude, like that, 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 started everything because I I wouldn't have had any of the opportunities after if it wasn't for that Mm -hmm. and so yeah I started I started DJing there which that was like boot camp because I was used to like playing in my bedroom or like local small like gay parties at like small bars right and this was massive bottle service like Vegas style club that is wild
0: what was the club it was called Dre's. Called Dre's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard yeah. of Dre's.
1: Yeah. It was right on Hollywood Boulevard. Now they they have one in Vegas also. But yeah, so I started doing that um, and just kind of getting into that groove and learning. And through that, I was meeting all these different people who were agents or other DJs and um, because I would help set the DJs up after me. And so I just was able to connect with everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I got a really good opportunity with um, Kid Cudi to be his tour DJ in that 2013. Is, oh my god!
0: Yeah, that is, that's incredible. <laughs> I love it. It's like such a natural flow. I feel like for you, you know. Yeah, yeah I was just feels kind of following.
1: Yeah, I was just kind of following the opportunities that were presented and doing as much as I could with them. And at this time, I was still in college. I was like finishing up my last semester while I was touring with Cudi while I was still handling marketing for this club. I don't know how the fuck I did that. That's but so busy. I it. Yeah, I don't know how, but yeah, anyways, the club closed and I was like, okay, I can either like find another job. I just graduated college. What do I want to do? And I gave myself six months to just see through the DJing thing and see like, okay, can I, can I like make ends meet and really like survive off of this and make mm-hmm. this a thing or do I need to just go get another job? And I've never had to get another job
0: since. Good for you. I love that. And it's just, you're being realistic, right? And believing in yourself. I feel like for a lot of creative fields, it's really easy to get in our own heads and be like, well, I can't do that. Like, how could I? And you just had that drive and that's awesome. What did you think you would be like before DJing? Like if you had like a backup
1: I was actually a makeup artist and in the beauty industry, um, I worked for Mac for like five years. Oh, wow. Like four years. Yeah. Nice. I, so I was doing, and even in high school before that, before I turned 18, cause you have to be 18 to work at Mac before that I was working at like the makeup counters in department stores. Okay. So makeup was my thing like that. I was sure that was what I was going to do. And when I was going to college, I was like, okay, like, I was like, I'll get my degree and then I'll do marketing for beauty brands. Mm -hmm. Like that was my whole plan. And, um, and then I got in a car accident and realized like, I don't like this industry. I just, it didn't feel right. And I kept hitting weird walls that it was like, this is a sign I'm not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. And so I quit. And thankfully I knew a bunch of people in the like nightlife scene in LA because I was going to clubs so young.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You have connections. Yeah. I was like, Hey, can you find me a job? I don't know. I'm down for whatever. Like if you think I should like be a bartender or like, you know, whatever. And he's like, I got the thing for you. Like you're, you're smart enough to do this job. So let's, let's put you there. Yeah. Just kind of all fell together.
0: Yeah, it really did. I, well, yeah, it's, it's weird when you think about it like that, when you look back and you, you can see how it all just flowed. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, as I was like looking into this and doing a little research before the interview, I saw that you had hosted these like power workshops, um, yeah, like yeah. teaching people how to DJ. And I'm just curious, like, tell us a little bit about that. And are you planning on hosting any more in the future?
1: Yeah. Hold that thought. I'm getting- my cat's like dying to get in here. So
0: cute. To be honest, I, I actually wanted to just interview your cat. Um, so we'll just take it from here. <laughs> That was my whole She's plan. here. You guys planned this. You we guys pl- planned this, huh? I, I, When you were talking, I was like texting her, just being like, come through, disturb right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Um, Yeah, she's funny. She's She's got a little bit of separation anxiety. No worries. But yeah, so power, I started that because I remembered how I didn't have someone to look up to and feel like, I don't know, like I could connect with in the DJ world and I didn't want that for other people I'm like there's I'm sure there's so many people that want to learn and there's all these fucking barriers everything is expensive it's a bunch of guys there's it just doesn't feel inviting unless you have all these resources so I was like let me let me just provide the resources so that people can have a day to just like get their feet wet and have a chance to be like do I like this enough to really like pursue it and Mm -hmm. sort of break the ice with the learning. And I wanted to make sure it was a really safe space. So it was women only queer people, you know, anyone of a marginalized gender identity was welcome. And it's just fun. We all like learn the basics of DJing. Everyone gets to connect and like make friends and we bring like a bunch of stuff to donate to local shelters. So if people wanted to bring, you know, whatever, clothes and toiletries goodbye okay oh great she just left me covered in cat hair (laughs) um (laughs) um yeah so people can bring stuff to donate and then all of the ticket sales uh the profit from the ticket sales would be donated to a local shelter as well that's amazing and so fun so fulfilling really really exhausting but honestly I loved it so much and I was really bummed when COVID happened because I was planning to do a whole power tour in like all the just major cities.
0: Oh yeah. T- the timing with COVID too. It's just big shutdown. So what can you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now we're just kind of, I, I didn't want to do it virtual. Cause that's just not the vibe. Like I liked going around and being able to be hands-on and it's hard to teach DJing through like verbal explanations. You kind of have to like adjust certain things physically
0: mm-hmm. so, totally it helps to also yeah. have that in-person interaction like just to be there yeah. it's comfortable and you can actually like really see I couldn't imagine doing it like virtually I, I don't know Not, I-, no. I know it's possible but it would be harder I think no.
1: and that way too like we provide all the equipment so um people can use what is in actual clubs and really experience that instead of having to you know get some really cheap app that's maybe not as good or that is so true. You know, I yeah. Just wanted to give people the chance.
0: That's really nice. So do do you think it's gonna happen again or are you kind of like it's not really on your
1: mind right now and there's no set plans yet. Um but I really, really want to make that happen this year. So mm-hmm. it just kind of is a logistics thing at this point. But yeah, hopefully I'll have some some dates to announce soon. That's fair. Well if you're ever in Toronto
0: I'll oh yeah, there.
1: we. I definitely want to do one in Toronto. That'd be fun. Actually, I know, um, I know a couple people that do something kind of similar. I believe it's in, in Toronto or maybe it was Vancouver called Intersections. Hmm. I think they started cool. it shortly after I did Power. I don't know, but yeah, similar vibe, really fun.
0: That's awesome, and I actually would go, uh, to a workshop or check it out because my friend gave me his turntable. Um. Oh, nice. And that was something I was like, oh, I, it was kind of a COVID thing for me to learn like over the pandemic and I was playing around with Mm -hmm. it but I was like oh it'd be awesome to kind of like be with other people learning at the same time because I was also intimidated I was like okay where does she start
1: (laughs) yeah it's 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 a lot it's a a lot it's frustrating it's a lot of information it's remembering a lot of things at the same time which is not easy (laughs) no but that's awesome um how did you come up with the name kittens how did that happen? So my, my boss at the time when I was working at that club, he basically was like, you need to change your fucking name. <laughs> Cause I had a different name. What was your name? It was, I was going through this whole, like I'm evolving and like, I don't know. I was going through this thing at the time that I started DJing. And so I was like, well, I'm going through this like soul Renaissance and then I decided to just shorten that to Sol Ray with a little accent over the E.
0: Got it. Okay, yep. Sol Ray.
1: Yep. Yeah. So I was Solray. Ray. Shout out to anyone who remembers that. Cause I've ran into people be like, What's up, DJ Solray? Ray? Uh-huh. Um, but he was like, Yeah, you know, you're you're starting to like get a name for yourself because I had been DJing more at the club and getting better opportunities. And he's like, Sol Ray's gotta go.
0: Mm, okay. And he was kind of a real one for that, so, I guess, coming through. Like, yeah. Which maybe, I, yeah.
1: yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Cause I would not be happy to be stuck with Solray right now, but I was trying to think of a name and it's really hard to think of what to name yourself, you know, hundred percent. It's something that kind of has to just come up. And so we were like bouncing ideas around for like weeks and everything sounded lame to me. And it was at this time where there was this video going viral on YouTube This was in like 2012. Um, And it was these little orange kittens on turntables that were turning and they're all like wobbling and falling all over. And I kid you not, like I would get sent that 90 times a day from different people being like, oh, look, it's you, it's you. And I'm like, everybody associates me with cats already. And, And I don't know. So I had finally gotten it sent another time. And I was in the car with my old boss driving and I'm like, can I just fucking call myself kittens at this point and be done with this? Cause like people just, you know, they kept sending me that. And he's like, that's actually kind of cool. And I was like, okay, done. I love (laughs) that. Stuck with it. I don't know. And kittens just works. I don't even know like what it
0: is, but you like, look like you'd be a kittens. And it's just like, (laughs)
1: like, it's really, it was a, it was a bad, it was a bad decision for like SEO purposes. Cause if you're trying to Google me, good luck. You have to put like kittens DJ or like I am kittens or like Lauren kittens. Otherwise, not happening. Yeah.
0: Because I, yeah, I think if I look you up now, I feel like a lot of you kind of go by like Lauren kittens Abadini, right? So I think that that would help you for sure. Yeah, that's
1: what I had. That's what I had to kind of like put in there so that people know that I am not just kittens because it's really hard to look me up. Totally.
0: Yeah. You're like, I love the cat content, but hi, I'm here.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Totally.
0: So, you know, I love she, her, they, I love your podcast and, um, definitely wanted to have you on to also talk about that because you released she, her, they, was it in 2021? Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 20 like like summer of 2021. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And I can't believe we're in 2023. Like sometimes when I look back, I'm like, Oh my God, two years. How
1: Yeah. How, how are we here? I don't don't know.
0: know. I don't know. But how did you, or what inspired you to start it, to start a podcast?
1: So I had actually wanted to start a podcast and I was pitching one, um, early 2019 and I was just going to call it power, just kind of like the workshops and have it be an extension of that. And I was planning on having, um, guests who are of like marginalized backgrounds they were doing inspiring things and um and then you know whatever life happened and then i made this playlist randomly cuz i was coming across so many queer women who were in music like new artists and i there were there weren't as many spotify playlists as there are now but i was like there isn't a discovery space just to highlight queer women in music and there's so many it's just like new ones popping up every day so i wanted to have a space for that And so I was, you know, anyone I came across, I'd put in there, I'd have people send submissions in. And then as time went on, like a few months later, I was like, you know what? I know a lot of these people. So it would be cool to just have them tell their stories and have that representation so that people could hear the experiences and everything from like creative inspiration to how people figure themselves out and overcame their own obstacles Mm -hmm. in a different space so yeah after making this whole playlist I realized like I know all these people so I should just make a podcast to highlight them and how they figure themselves out what they still struggle with and talk about music and all that stuff And so it was like literally in the beginning of the pandemic I just was sending out zoom links to friends and recorded with very little knowledge about um, sound quality and video editing and um, ended up with the first few episodes of that. And here we are two years later.
0: Totally. And now you, you are expanding to outside of the music scene, which is awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also, cause originally it was very much just for like queer women in music. Mm-hmm. And my whole goal was, to have it be for people who transcend identity expectations, but through like my lens as a queer woman, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. So, so this season I'm having, um I have a trans guy on who uh, my friend, Jordan, his episode is up already is amazing. Um, he's actually in the new pretty little liars. I and need then, to check it out. I, I honestly have it on my yeah. list. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Um And then I have like a, uh, non-binary Persian uh, content creator that I love named Sirus, like they're wonderful. And yeah, just, I I wanted to highlight people who just have different stuff going on that maybe don't get enough shine or have an interesting story and always kind of keeping like queer women and people who are underrepresented at the forefront of things. But anything that's kind of related to that it's gonna be starting to sprinkle in. Yeah. And I
0: mean, media representation or queer media representation is so important. Like, I can't stress it enough. I feel like even on Girl on Girl, we talk about it probably like every episode. Like, there's something that comes up that's surrounding queer media. And for me, why I resonated so much with your podcast when it came out couple years ago, I was like, these are the conversations I need to be hearing, and I really resonate with a lot of these people's stories. So, yeah, like appreciate you for doing that and like putting that content out there because we, luckily, like we have so much more content to consume now. And I always say, like, oh my God, if I was fifteen listening to your podcast,, oof, that'd be that'd be amazing. But you're still making an impact in that way, and you have you. for many years because you're so outspoken. So, Yeah. Just want to say thank you for that. And yeah, this, this is probably like, there's probably not even one answer for this, but like, why is queer media representation so important? Like, I just want to hear your take on that.
1: I mean, I think there's, there's multiple, there's multiple answers for that. One is just having that representation to normalize things. Like there was just some meme going around today that I saw about how something like 7% of Americans identify as queer now. And that's doubled in the last few years. And all these conservative Republicans are just like losing their shit. Like, oh, they're bad influence, but it's not that it's because there isn't. There's there's space and people aren't being punished for being themselves. And so they're not scared to explore or come out or just like be open about their identity. So it's not that all these people weren't queer before. It's just they weren't saying it. They weren't being open about it. They weren't giving themselves the permission to be themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: I think media representation really just gives people permission to be themselves. And that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And it normalizes it for people who are not queer to see what being queer can look like. You can be literally anyone from any ethnic background, any you know, socioeconomic background, you can be masculine, you can be feminine, you can be everything in between. Mm -hmm. And that is all valid and okay. And normal. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think just the more we can see that stuff, the better.
0: Oh yeah. The better. And actually what you, what you had said, have you read um, the book untamed by Glennon Doyle?
1: No, I have it downloaded and I haven't read it.
0: Okay, let me know what you think about it because there's just this part. It it won't give anything away really, but there's just this part where she I think is on like a book tour or at some press conference. Um, and someone asks her, like, why is everyone so gay all of a sudden? She's like, I'm not trying to be um like ignorant, but I just want to know. But people have been gay, you know what I mean? But we've been gay. (laughs) Like, but exactly like you said, growing up in a society where it wasn't normalized. People repress and repress and shove it, shove it right down. So that -hmm. is why, like you said, media rep is important. We need to see ourselves. Otherwise we're invisible, you know, exactly. Or you feel invisible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just being able to, for younger people to figure themselves out too, because, or even older people, I know a lot of people just haven't started questioning their identity until later in life. And it doesn't come until they see somebody that they're like, Oh, that look, that person is like me and they're expressing feelings that I have. Maybe that's what this is. And the unknown confusion about somebody's identity and thinking they're weird or something's wrong with them. They can finally put language to that and validate that feeling and skip a lot of the like confusing bullshit that comes with figuring yourself out.
0: I know for sure. And it's hard sometimes. Cause I, I mean, I grew up in Whitby, Ontario. So like from Toronto, it's about an hour away, but it's very mm-hmm. like small town vibes, like very white, very hetero. So mm-hmm. I I feel like maybe growing up in Toronto maybe would have been a different experience for me because I moved mm-hmm. out when I was 17 and kind of came straight to Toronto. But mm-hmm. you grew up in Los Angeles, right? So
1: I, so I grew up in the, like the suburbs. So I was oh, maybe it, like 30 minutes out from downtown still like, it's kind of a different world out there, but I spent a lot of time in the city. So I kind of, I feel like I got a balance mm, once I was it. able to start driving at least right before that, when my friends started being able to drive, I guess.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I was just thinking too, for people who grow up in really small conservative towns, like that's tough. Cause you kind oh of only God. see what is around you. Um mm-hmm. So any, any type of queer media rep is important or like kind of using like your TikTok or your Instagram to also connect with other queer mm-hmm. creators or queer people like you can actually really make friends through that which I think is really For important sure. find your community sure.
1: because I mean before we had any of that before we had social media or any kind of like proper media representation you're in the small-ass town and you like don't don't know how, where it's safe to be yourself or how to explore that or how to validate that and you just have to risk like leaving everything, you know, to figure yourself out,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: that's, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how scary that is.
0: It's very scary. Cause there's a, like also an inner confidence to do that, that a lot of people need and it's there, but you have to kind of own it. And I can only imagine how many people would be like, I can't, or it's just easier if I just, totally. I don't know, could go on about that forever. I only have a couple more questions for you because we are about to wrap soon, but what advice do you have for people who are thinking of coming out or are in the process?
1: My advice for people coming out would be number one, make sure you're safe. Make sure it's actually safe for you to come out because anyone can tell you to come out and like be yourself and whatever. But if you are not going to be safe, like keep that as a priority first. But aside from that, I think, keep in mind who you're coming out to and strategize, strategize the delivery, because that makes such a huge difference. And at the end of the day, we want to get to a point where whoever we're talking to will be able to see us and accept us and embrace us. And it's really hard to do that if you're kind of throwing a lot of intensity or expectations or I don't know, certain energy at somebody that is going to throw their defenses up. Yeah. So strategizing really helps consider what their background is, what their beliefs are, what their concerns are and reassure them in the process. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that I think is so helpful is you can say to say a conservative parent, like, Hey, This is me. I will always value family. I will not do anything to embarrass you. I, you know, will always respect X, Y, Z. But me loving who I want to love or being myself is not going to do that. But don't worry, I'm not going to like be be crazy out here. Like finding those things to to like soften the blow, I guess, if you're dealing with somebody or a family that kind of sucks in that way. Mm -hmm. I think that really helps. So safety and strategy.
0: That's really good advice. It's really good advice. Cause I feel like, I mean, even for me, I, I would always be so headstrong and be like, why can't people just understand? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you love who you want to love. Like, why does that matter to somebody else? But you're right. Like people grow up with different beliefs and their environment and that's all they know. So, I mean, it's, it's about strategy, like you said, and kind of being patient or even allowing them to like, take that information and be like, sit with it and Mm -hmm. we can chat I'm here to communicate rather than totally where I've definitely been like well if you can't accept me then I I I would I would yeah exactly exactly (laughs) like fuck right off but I also have to realize like it's not always like as long as people are willing to learn and accept I always have more of that empathy you know so yeah yeah totally
1: totally because some people do need to be told to fuck off and like that's fine but you at least gotta like you want to increase your chances of a successful coming out and reduce your risk. And so then just a little bit of strategy and yeah. Exactly. We love that. That's awesome.
0: Um, Lastly, do you have any like upcoming projects that you want to plug and where can our listeners keep up with you?
1: Um She Her They is is on and popping so you can find that um on my page on Instagram at i am kittens or at she, her, they on Instagram or if you go to www.sheherthey.com it's links for all the things the original playlist the show you can watch it on YouTube or any streaming podcast platforms Um, other than that, I'm working on music and going to be back out on the road soon. And what else? I feel like that's, those are, those are the main ones. Those are kind (laughs) of big things though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully more fun stuff soon. Cool.
0: Yeah. Well, appreciate you once again. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, yeah, I think the listeners, um, for our pod are really, really going to love this. And yeah, I've been wanting to have you on for a while. So yeah, this is great. I'm glad it worked out with, Yay, with so time. And yeah. yeah. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: So for this week's In Case You Missed It, I wanted to talk about Alison Brie coming out so casually. You guys may recognize Alison Brie in the show Community Glow, and she is doing promo for a new movie she shot with her husband, Dave Franco, called Somebody I Used to Know. To promote the movie, Alison Brie and Dave Franco, who are also married, read Thirst Tweets together, and during this interview segment, Alison Brie just happened to casually mention she's bisexual. One user tweeted, Listen, I am bisexual for a reason, and that reason is to strictly be used in a threesome by Dave Franco and Alison Brie. Apparently after reading that tweet, Dave and Alison high-fived each other, and Allison actually said, that's also why I'm bisexual. Dave actually laughed and even said, you've been waiting for this tweet from someone, you don't know who they are or what they look like. And then she just goes, yeah, it makes sense. It definitely checks out. Of course, we'll always say it time and time again that hearing news like this is amazing and sometimes someone's coming out doesn't need to be this like big revelation. You know, these are people's lives and it gets brought up and I love how she treated it so casually. Alison Brie has actually been vocal for a long time about supporting LGBTQ rights. In 2020, she posted an Instagram in honor of glad spirit day. Writing, every day I stand with LGBTQ youth against bullying, but today I wear purple to show my support. Harassment and bullying have no place in our schools, home, or hearts. Allison, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for casually coming out and in the best possible way. Guys, you must check out this video if you have the chance. I will link it in the description because it's also cute to see their dynamic as a married couple and how dave reacted to allison i think it's really important to see more couples like that and how they can support each other anyway i hope you guys really enjoyed this episode it was a really fun one to record and once again lauren thank you so much for being a part of it it's such an honor i admire you a lot and cannot wait to see what's coming down the pipeline for you